0: Geek Top Five, Quarantine Edition.
1: Yay. There was time now. There was was all the time I needed.
0: And we're back, like Avengers Endgame five years later. Which is how it kinda of feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The weeks these
1: days and the age of quarantine I really feel like years.
0: Yeah, that uh But that's not what we're here for. That's all the not fun stuff. You tuned in for part two of our big Marvel Cinematic Universe movie ranking roundup. So, where we are in the list, we have talked about 13
1: movies. We're about to talk about our 12th movie. On our respective lists, we've ranked nine of them. Or, sorry, we've ranked uh, 13 of them so far. So, here's... Here's where we are. We've talked about Iron Man 2 as the worst, and then from there it went Thor 2, Avengers 2, Captain Marvel, Incredible Hulk, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Black Panther, Spider-Man Far From Home, Captain America The First Avenger, and Doctor Strange. Now, uh, we are going to talk about the number nines on our list. Mine was Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Eh, Mine was Ant-Man and since I talked about Ant-Man as my number 12, that's what we're going to talk about now.
0: The first right. Ant-Man movie. Which, uh, so 2015, and I feel like a lot of what is in this movie is sort of overlaps with what we talked about with Ant-Man and the Wasp, where the movies the Ant-Man movies are kind of a filler, um, or that filler, that's giving it a disservice, but it was a, a chaser to more dramatic stuff happening in the greater arc. And as a consequence of that, it makes them kind of forgettable. Although I think the first one was better than the sequel. And every time I watch that first one, I'm charmed
1: by it. It's got a lot going for it. It does feel a bit like Iron Man light, but in a good way. They, they use the de-aging effect in that, that they sort of take to new heights in Civil War with, with uh, uh, Tony Stark, the, like teenage Tony Stark, which looks amazing. And then further in Captain Marvel with uh, young Nick Fury, so they use that on on Michael Douglas's Hank Pym character. Uh, it's just a charm factory. It's a lot of fun. The the villain is boring and bland, which is a problem with a lot of these Marvel movies.
0: Yeah, especially when it's the case they go with the, the villain. It's like it's it's the hero. It's the same powers, but this guy is evil. It's kind of like I mean, Ant Man's powers aren't amazing <laughs> to start off with, you know?
1: Yeah, but they they use them to really great effect. Uh, like having the giant. Um, Thomas the Tank Engine fall out of the house was really cool. Like, the shrinking and growing is done
0: really well. It, watching it, absolutely. The effects are great and they make for a lot of fun. Um, in terms of, like, who I think has the coolest powers, like I don't know that shrinking and growing is really up my thing.
1: No, it's not uh, a power I would like to have, but I think with the right writer it makes for a really interesting power. They, they can be really creative with it.
0: And I guess I mean this did feel pretty well written. It's it's not a huge epic superhero movie, but there's something about just the family of characters in this that I really buy. Like I love the relationship between him and his daughter and Luis, who's yeah. I, almost gets typecast in the MCU as just being the guy who does the recap montages. Um, none, of, like, none of his stuff has ever been as good as that first one that he does in this movie, but like even when he's picking him up from prison, it's how you've been, and he just keeps rattling off, oh, everything's terrible, like, this is bad, and this is bad, and this is bad, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but like I don't know, his, something about his, he's kind of like the the Kate Dennings character in the Thor movies, like, he steals the show a little, <laughs> and I think they recognize that because they gave him like a way too big role for, in Ant Man Two. Uh, yeah, that tends was, to happen. Yeah, which is inappropriate. But in this one, it's balanced really well. Yeah, uh, I do. Going back
1: to the villain, the fact that they named him Yellow Jacket as a comic book fan bothers me a bit because the Yellow Jacket character has, or the the name anyway, has so much weight to it because it's this like. Alternate identity that Hank Pym takes on, to, and he's trying to prove himself, and he's like way too macho and aggressive, and it just added to the complexity of that character. And here, it's just a name that gets tacked on to, you know, evil Ant-Man.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, they go out of their way, I think, to sort of minimize the Hank Pym character. Ha which...
1: <laughs> ha! Minimize yeah, Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm nice. a pun
0: factory. Um, But you know the the Hank Pym character. I mean, in the comics like problematic is the wrong word because it was intended to be a complex character. But you know, like in the comics, when Hank Pym is the Ant Man, he's also a wife beater, and like that's sort of his his flaw. I mean, specifically as Yellow Jacket, he, he he smacked his uh, wife
1: around, which I, I think was meant not when it was written it wasn't meant to be as bad as it was and but the art really took it to another level and that became like a defining moment for the character
0: yeah and it's like part of me wonders what the movie would have been like if they did it that way if they went with this incredibly troubled character i wonder if they even could have made the movie it would have been a
1: very different superhero movie
0: Yeah. No, I think I I like what they did, making it lighthearted and fun, more than making it this really dark exploration of a a broken man's psyche.
1: Yeah, Um, I don't think that's the right fit for the Marvel Universe, especially not for that character at that time.
0: Yeah, Christopher Nolan's Ant-Man, maybe.
1: (laughs) The other thing that sticks out to me about this movie is a behind-the-scenes thing where... For years, Edgar Wright was attached to be the writer-director of this movie. I think he still gets a story credit or a writing credit on it, but I love Edgar Wright from the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim movies, and to have seen his take on Ant-Man would have been something really special. I'm happy with what we got, but I still sort of mourn what we could have had.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's still some of those touches in there, like maybe things that they kept after they gave him the boot. But, but you're right. It's like ha- taking it that that zany a direction would have been a lot of fun. That being said, I mean, this is in like this is closer to the top than it is to the bottom because it's just it's really fun and charming to watch. And as sort of standing kind of aside from the larger arc, I kind of like it. It's. I'm saying it like it's so reserved, and maybe I shouldn't. Just, I think
1: Ant-Man is a good movie. I mean, like I said, other than Iron Man 2, I would watch any of these movies any day of the week, and I've been watching bits and pieces of them over the last couple of weeks in preparation for this, and man, they're all so good. And uh, I think that we sort of get lost in which is better and which is worse and and which propels the story forward, but if you just take each one of these movies on their own... There's a lot of good in each of them.
0: Now, granted, the whole point of this podcast is to rank them. Yes. So, Mm -hmm. within all of the movies, obviously, there's better and worse. Right. So, in that spirit, let's move right along to our number eights. Yeah, my number eight was Iron Man 3. My uh, number eight was Thor. Uh, So, that's a double talker, I think.
1: Yeah, and we we both ranked them uh, the the other person's movie much lower. So let's start with uh, Thor, since I had that ranked at number twenty two, and you
0: had Iron Man three ranked at number eighteen. Yeah, so you thought Thor was the second worst movie in the entire MCU. <laughs> I gotta hear this. I, look, I I still enjoyed it, but I rewatched it a little
1: while ago. I, granted, I think I liked it a lot more when I first saw it, but rewatching it recently. I found the Loki character who I was most looking forward to seeing again and, and watching that build from from where he was in the Thor movie to where he ends up in, by the end of uh, Infinity War or even the end of Endgame. I was looking forward to that arc and seeing that particular character grow because he becomes such a great character. But really, in that first movie, he's kind of unremarkable.
0: And. Yeah. I don't know that that's fair. I mean, like you're, you're 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 blaming him for not starting the arc that carries him over the next twenty movies. <laughs> I, I'm
1: just saying, by the time you hit Avengers, he holds the screen and he is captivating and he's funny and he just has this this great energy about him. But in that first movie, he gets kind of lost in a movie that's full of sort of mild and forgettable characters. So it's it's. It would have been so easy for him to stand out and steal the show, and he doesn't. And I find that disappointing.
0: Ah, that's, that's retrovision. I, <laughs> I, I will fight you all the way on that. Like, Loki, Bring it! Like, Loki in that movie is the villain, and he's the villain that like you sort of expect from reading Loki from the comic books, and I think he does it so well. That movie, right up until the last 20 minutes, it's like he keeps changing sides, it seems like. And you start to sit back and, like, what the heck is he doing? I mean, just starting off where already, like, you can tell things between him and Thorin are a little rocky. And then all the way up until he lets Laufey into Odin's room, where Odin's in the Odin sleep or whatever, and kills him? Like... The constant backstabbing and turnaround, I thought, was such a great adaptation of how he is in the comic books, where it's always a plan and 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 a plan, and a plan. As, yeah. the god, you know, as the god of mischief. Like, that that worked so well on screen.
1: Okay, let's move on from Loki then. I agree to disagree. Uh, I Thor, I also find very boring and bland in the movie. hes He's just a real typical medieval style hero who has to learn about humility and and I think there's so much room there for a great fish-out-of-water comedy when he gets stuck on earth and it never really pans out or not to the extent that I would have wanted I find all the stuff in Asgard very Hercules and Xena where everything everyone's wearing these big costumes and they they don't feel real they all feel like they're styrofoam and fake and everyone's acting to the back rows of the theater and and that's just not what I was looking for.
0: I see. I, I, and it was exactly what I was looking for on both counts. I love Fish out of Water Thor. I love him keep getting hit by the car. I love him in the pet shop and smashing the glass or the mug, I guess. I love I, I, this I, mug he, smashing he, thing. He, that always... He, Him versus Natalie Portman and Stellan Skarsgård and Kate Dennings. I I love that dynamic, and I loved Asgard. I loved how different it was compared to what we'd seen in the MCU so far. Um, I thought it was a really cool way to make this sort of— I mean, maybe this sounds pejorative, but this comic book world just— they didn't have to make it alien by making it, like, everything smooth and shiny and everyone had laser things. But they just, they made it seem like this fantastical place. And I I really, you know, it's, it's one of those places I'd like to go someday, <laughs> frankly. Uh, I loved that contrast of it. And then the, the back and forth and him learning humility. I mean, it's, it's a little on the nose. It's not a very in-depth story, I suppose. But I really enjoy it. And just, God, when he... Like when he, sa- you know, he gets the big sacrifice, and gets the hammer back, and gets his outfit back, and gets his powers, and becomes Thor again. That I have the same reaction to that that you had to Hulk sing Hulk Smash.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I, I think one of the things I've learned in rewatching these and reading comic books uh, with a more, you know, critical eye as I've gotten older is that I like Thor a lot better when he's part of the Avengers. When he's on his own and he's all these and thous and it gets very fantasy and m- mythical. It loses me a bit. I'm, I, I disconnect from it. But you're, you're more of a fantasy guy than I am. So maybe that's where the disconnect is coming from Where as far as our enjoyment of it goes.
0: No, yeah, I can see that. And I will admit, like the, uh, in the first Avengers movie, there's a, like, maybe we'll talk about it when we get there, but there's definitely a moment where Thor transitions very quickly from the Shakespearean fantasy character into Thor and the Avengers. Yes. Um, and I do like the later Thor better. Um, but it still didn't affect my enjoyment of this movie. Um, so yeah, I like it's one of the ones I've rewatched. I have my own stuffed Mjolnir. I, I I really like Thor. And you didn't, and I guess that's okay. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about
1: Iron Man 3 now. And I remember enjoying it a lot of the time and I rewatched it for this all the way through just to to double check myself and I think I may like it more
0: than I did then. I, again, the villain is the weak point of it. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I ranked this one lower than you because the villain is the only thing I really remember. And let's be clear, when I'm talking about the villain, I'm not talking about Killian. Like that, I thought that whole thing was pretty lame, and that's why it gets ranked down on my list. Like he's okay. he's got magic genetic stuff that lets him shoot fire beams out of his mouth, and that's his power. And eh, I don't know, but but Ben Kingsley as Trevor Slattery as the Mandarin is one of my favorite performances in the it's MCU. It's so
1: good. Like, I, I, love, I love both versions of it. I love his sort of evil one where he over-enunciates everything, and he seems like a real scary terrorist. And then when you see how he really is, this sort of British knob, he's he's even better. It's so
0: good. Yeah, and this movie got such a bad rap because everyone was furious that they, like, they ruined the Mandarin. I've been hearing people talk about, like, the Mandarin could have been the Joker of the MCU, and I can't figure out, like, Really? Like the Mandarin in the comic books is an old Chinese guy who has magic. That's it, and and because of that connotation,
1: the Mandarin and he's an old Chinese guy. It's it's like it goes back into this terrible tropes of the like nineteen thirties and twenties of you know the yellow fever and panic and everything. So I it's it's not it's not a good
0: look. And yeah, the, it's gross. And he's and, and he's, the character is not interesting. Like it just. I don't know what people were looking for. I thought this was so clever.
1: I agree, a hundred percent. And and I think some of that has to come down to Shane Black, who's the writer-director of the movie. He's he was he wrote Lethal Weapon and a bunch of other great nineties action movies, and he kind of disappeared for a while and then came back with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and then this. And the movies, both of those movies have this sharp wit to them that goes along with the action and drama. And and the other thing I love about this movie is Tony's interactions with the little kid that he meets in the small town when he's he's sort of lost uh, his uh, his mansion's been destroyed and he's he wakes up in the small town in Tennessee and he bonds with this little kid in this amazing way they have a great snarky relationship and it feels like the testing ground for the what
0: became the Tony and Peter relationship in the Spider-Man movies. I I agree with you on all that and I did like all that. Um, I ranked it so much lower on my list because those are the things that I really picked apart from it, and I found that there was a lot of the rest of the movie that I don't, ca- I mean, maybe don't care for. Like, I mean, I really didn't like Gwyneth Paltrow in this one. Um, I remember, she ends up with powers and a suit, and that just never comes up again, which.
1: No, is- I think at the end of the movie, she gets. They're like fixing her so that
0: she doesn't oh, we, have the powers yeah. anymore. We magically cure you so you don't have the yeah. powers. Great. Well, that's fun. Um, I wasn't interested in that. I mean, I wish I loved seeing the fleet of Iron Man suits more, but somehow it just felt like it took all of the gas out of the engine. You know, like now he now he's got 40 Iron Man suits. Then just like at that point it's it's like when you have too many ninjas. Yeah, I like the idea of of Tony Stark having a lot of different suits that he can use for
1: specific things. I don't like it when he can use them all remotely or there's another thing piloting them all because, and and this applies to the comics too, because then I think it makes him too powerful and it takes away
0: from it being one guy in a thing. It just becomes... It it takes it away from him. Like, if if the suits can fly themselves, then who who needs Tony Stark? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's another... There's a great moment in the movie that I had completely forgotten about and it, it... um, watching it again it, it took me by surprise it was like seeing it again for the first time there's this part where there's a plane going down and all these, these like 12 people get thrown out of the plane and Iron Man's flying around trying to save them. It, it's it has nothing to do with the plot it's sort of a superfluous action scene and yet I was edge of my seat watching it just because I didn't know how he was going to get them all So he catches them all and rescues them and then drops them safely in the water and then he's flying and he's sort of momentarily distracted and gets hit by a truck and the suit bursts apart and you realize Tony wasn't in the suit. He was flying it remotely. And it's just this like twist upon a twist upon a twist and it's a scene you could probably take almost entirely out of the movie and it wouldn't really change much and yet it was one of my favorite scenes.
0: But at the same time it sets up to me like the message to the audience is that Iron Man isn't Tony Stark anymore. And yeah. I, and I, I, I strongly dislike that as a character thing.
1: Well, at the end of the movie, he he seems to essentially be retiring. So, if you take that if you take the 3 Iron Man movies as their own thing, remove them from from the the rest of the MCU, you could see a whole arc where he the first movie becomes Iron Man and by the end of the third movie he's retiring and maybe like helping out the Avengers on the side. And I kind of like that arc, and believe me, I'm really glad that that's not how it ended and that he continued <laughs> in the other movies, but yeah trying to view that, that trilogy of Iron Man movies as its own thing I appreciated what
0: they did there yeah, I can will agree to disagree I didn't I will defend uh, this movie to the grave and listen there are a lot of things about this movie that I liked but there are a lot of things in it that I was meh on and so many movies that I had less meh. which is why for me it was all the way down at 18 like it's, less I mean, meh. it sounds I like, like it. we're both pretty happy with it and the key parts. But you give it so much more, you know, you gave it nine movies more credit than I did. Yeah, well, all right, let's move
1: on. Um, Sure. Let's go to our number sevens. Mine is uh, The Avengers,
0: the first one. Mine is the first Iron Man.
1: Oh, okay, a non-talking round. Mm. Uh, My number six is Infinity War.
0: My number six is Guardians of the Galaxy 1.
1: Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, so we're talking that. All right,
0: where did you have that?
1: That was at, like...
0: Nine. Okay, so pretty close. We both agree this is in, like, the top... This is definitely one of the better ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think we're going to have many other huge gaps. I think Iron Man 3 and Thor are going to be the ones with the biggest gaps in them, but let's uh,
0: let's talk Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Guardians of the Galaxy took characters that nobody ever heard of with a story that didn't seem to have anything to do with anything and made it one of the, like... Key parts of the MCU, but also one of the favorite parts of the MCU. And just even if, like, just even that alone, this movie deserves heroic praise. The fact that it was so well casted and so well acted and such a joy from start to finish, I just, it, this one blows me away.
1: Yeah, it definitely came out of nowhere. I remember when they announced it, I was like, really? Of all the Marvel properties, I was like, well, oh, maybe it's, they don't have Fantastic Four, they don't have. They don't really have Spider Man, and they, they don't have the X Men. So I guess they're scraping the bottom of the barrel, because I I really hadn't read any of the comics, and I know the version that ends up in the movie is not the first version of the Guardians of the Galaxy that that. No, was. not
0: even close. Yeah,
1: so I again was hugely surprised by it, and it's a it's a great movie, and it makes it's hard to introduce a bunch of characters for the first time in a movie and make it a team movie and then have them all click and work and have their own moments to shine, and it works so well. Like, you love all of these characters by the end of it.
0: And so fast. I mean, Star-Lord endears himself to us immediately because he's us, because he's a kid from the 80s living in this cool world. So that works. But then, like, Rocket Raccoon, I don't even know how he does it, but it's just I guess we love him because he's cute, but it has that contrast that he's... I mean, not Han Solo. Maybe more of a Dash Rendar. <laughs> that is too deep a cut. That, that's too deep a cut. I don't, but he's a scoundrel, and maybe not one with a heart of gold. But he's also this cute raccoon, and that works for us. And then his giant tree buddy, which should never have worked on film. No, there's no. It barely reason. works
1: in the comics.
0: Yeah, I have, I have no idea how they made Groot so amazing, but at the climax of that movie, when he, he impales like seven guys and bashes them around, and it turns around and smiles at the, the camera for approval, like your heart <laughs> goes out to this stupid CG tree. I just, and I, I, I'm feeling like I have to be pejorative because this is a review, damn it, but, but God, I love everything in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah and, it's really solid. Again, though, I think we can both agree if there's a weak spot, it's got to be the villain. Like, we haven't talked about the villain at all. Ronan the Accuser is a non-entity in it.
0: But Ronan the Accuser is the straight man to this bunch of goofballs. Yeah, like, Ro- Ronan the Accuser would have made a perfect video game villain you know his motives are simple and clear he's evil he's really strong he wants to kill it. and the movie knows it and they play and they play it intentionally up until the dance contest at the end because that's when ronin breaks character mm. right he's always a two-dimensional villain until what are you doing yeah right and then they, i forget what it is the dance off bro what are you doing like he just can't <laughs> handle these nutcases and i think I wonder if everything about Ronan's character was building to that moment, because that moment, in a movie full of hilarious moments, that one is like the, the climax of the hilarity, and part of it is just how flummoxed this otherwise two-dimensional, stereotypical alien warlord is.
1: The The other thing about him is, I find it so fascinating that they brought him back for Captain Marvel. Like... He barely registers in my memory when I think of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, there's so many other things I think of before him, and yet they bring him back to be a sort of side character in Captain Marvel a decade later. It's an interesting pull.
0: I mean, it definitely, like, I mean, Captain Marvel, well, yeah, but (laughs) what is it? Captain Marvel is in 2019 and Guardians of the Galaxy is 2014. Yeah, half half a decade. Half a decade. (laughs) Um, but like the stuff with the Shiar and the Kree, it's like if they're building scrolls kin- and Kree, scrolls. Sorry, you're right, scrolls and Kree. Um, and the what are the names of the no- the Nova Corps? Do they have a species or are they just the Nova Corps?
1: Oh, in the movie, they they're all on this one planet, but I can't remember what it's called. Looks like John C. Riley and Glenn Close again, like overcasting these tiny yeah. roles.
0: Huge overcasting, but yeah, like the like setting up, like talking about the, and they mention it in this one, just in the background, like the peace treaty there, and we sort of see how that got started because of Captain Marvel. They're they're building like a consistent, what is it, Marvel celestial universe? What's the word they use for their space stuff? Uh, I uh, well, let's go with celestial. I don't think that's what. They yeah, call I don't it, think like, it is either. It's something <laughs> like that, but but they they go to effort... Cosmic, that's it. Their cosmic universe. Like, they've set up a consistent, like, rules and places for this, and carrying it through to Captain Marvel sort of implies that they want to do more with it. And I'm on board with that. Yeah, if you
1: get Captain Marvel and and the Guardians of the Galaxy to be the characters that are exploring space more and being more sci-fi, I'm on board with that for sure. And it it leaves Earth for more, you know, Earth-bound characters, characters that can't do space stuff. And it lets... It lets Captain Marvel have some threats that are actually threatening to her, as opposed to anything
0: on Earth that can't stand up to her. In any case, we've gotten into the weeds. uh, Yes. But Guardians of the Galaxy is just a ton of fun. It's an adventure that you believe. It's characters that you want to be with. uh, They—just the way we talked about how in Ultron, everyone's funny so nobody's funny— In this one, they did that exactly right. Like, all the right people are funny and in their own ways, where it's not so over the top. They don't think they're funny. Drax doesn't think he's funny, but he's hilarious. Yeah, same Um, thing with um, uh, Gamora. She's sort of accidentally funny. Yeah, and it's just, it's done so well. God, we're going to be gushing about, like, the next... (laughs) Eight movies because we're at such close to the top of how many are our favorites. But this one, I think the credit for this one goes to the fact that it came out of nowhere and still hit it out of the park.
1: Yeah. So just uh, before we get started, we're, we're getting into the top five, each of our top five lists. Although there's eight movies left, there's only two that we haven't, neither of us have ranked yet. Neither <laughs> of.
0: So just to put right, that out yeah, there, let's,
1: that's about to right. change.
0: My number five is Winter Soldier. My number five is Winter Soldier.
1: What crazy!
0: <laughs> uh, so, go you go first. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was the movie that made me realize that Marvel was making movies in different genres. Well, like rather than making comic book movies, they had been making comic book adventure movies, comic book thriller. You know, this was the comic book thriller movie. This was a political thriller, an incredibly compelling story of backstabbing and government conspiracy and who can you trust, but also as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's done so well with character reveals and secrets from the past and callbacks to things. It's so exciting and so tense. Um, like, far and away my favorite thing to watch of Captain America, easily. Uh, but just this one, I think, even though it's part of a larger arc, this movie stands on its own as like one of the best thriller movies I've ever seen, Marvel or otherwise.
1: Yeah, I think another thing that it has going for it that it doesn't get talked about a lot is Black Widow. It really, to me, is the first time in the MCU where she gets a chance to really shine. And I guess it's partly because it's a spy movie and she's a spy, so it's not like she's just you know a martial artist with guns who has to fight giant aliens alongside a Hulk and a Thor. Now she gets to be in her element where she, there's espionage and, you know, mixed identities and who can you trust? And that is her thing.
0: Yeah, when she gets introduced in Iron Man 2, like, I mean, at the end, all she's really there for is to, like, do karate in a bodysuit, right? Like, that's that was the extent of her character development. This gave her more to do. And especially pairing this, you know, this she's lived her entire life with spies and deception, and pairing her up against Steve Rogers, like you know America's chicken soup. Like <laughs> yeah. they, they they play off each other so well. It, it, it's just they're they're great characters to
1: bounce off of each other. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And and beyond that, there's also the relationship between uh, Captain America and Bucky or the Winter Soldier, and that is done very well. Like I I. Always love that ending fight where Cap is refusing to fight back and that's what sort of breaks Bucky and, and makes him frees him from his brainwashing. It's so good. Just that the the dynamic between them.
0: And really, I mean, I don't harp on this kind of stuff often because fight choreography, but the fight choreography in this is great. Like, him and Bucky fighting, they do some really cool stuff. It's cool to watch. You know, as opposed to, like, we were talking about Black Panther, where the final show down there, like, you didn't even really care to watch. You just sort of wanted to fast-forward the fight. This was edge of your seats in the crazy stunts they were pulling and stuff. Like, it's it's exciting all the way through. I would say the one...
1: Area where I feel like they may have gone too far is the the fleet of helicarriers and the the them all crashing and destroying parts of the city. It's like too big for this movie.
0: Yeah, it does seem like something that would stick out a little bit more, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, like I forget about it. Like I I, I only really remembered that when I watched it the second time, and now it's there, but it doesn't quite fit with all the things that we really like about the movie. Like the highway chase and the motorcycles and and there's a lot of really great sort of intimate fight stuff. And then to have just hundreds of helicarriers when one was spectacle enough in Avengers,
0: it's it takes some of that, that oomph away from it for me. It's fair. And I have been trying to think about, like, why is this on my number five? Why isn't this number one? I wonder if this conflates with yours in a little bit, is because I found, in the end, Hydra is a difficult villain to pull off. Like, having them secretly, having been S.H.I.E.L.D. this whole time is a great twist, but it doesn't really give you anything to sink your teeth into. And I think that shines through with Rumlow, who, like, you know, if you're like me, like, nine out of ten people in the audience had no idea was supposed to become Crossbones, and then later even then like he's barely crossbones like he's like a d character but this movie keeps like bringing him around yeah and, and it's not even the last time we'll see him no but we don't really ca- we don't really understand why he's there cuz he doesn't hold a candle to cap and yet he still keeps trying to fight him and
1: frankly uh, frankly he's rumlow's not I mean, Crossbones isn't even that big a character in the comics. He had a biggish role in the Winter Soldier storyline, but the movie doesn't do anything close to what that storyline was.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a manifestation of the fact that as cool as an idea Hydra is, like, as a villain, it doesn't really give the heroes anything to do. And maybe that's why they went with Giant Fleet of Helicarriers, because they had to come up with a cooler, more cinematic threat than just... You know, some of these guys are good guys and some of them are bad guys. You don't know which. Like, it's just, it's not enough meat for a movie. Probably
1: I guess, I just think right. the helicarriers are too much. It's just like yeah, too so I, much
0: spectacle. I agree. It's too much the other way, but it's, I feel like that was done to offshoot that, you know, there was nothing for Captain America to throw his shield at once the Hydra secret was out. And maybe that's the one knock in this movie. But it's, that's still like, that's a point two off the top score. You know, that's still a 9.8 <laughs> out of 10.
1: Okay, and the other thing... W- there's at least two other things we have to talk about before we move on. Falcon. This introduces Falcon into the MCU. And he's mm-hmm. uh, he, he ends up being a, a fairly important character. He has a, a great relationship with with Cap. And, and, you know, by the time we get to the end of Endgame, he becomes even more important. But he's a character that had a big moment in the 70s but since then has kind of been a background character in the comics and this was a chance to really reignite him, modernize him and they did a really good job with him and and again, the relationship between him and Steve Rogers is really good and then yeah. I, I guess the other thing that we need to talk about is the fact that Robert freaking Redford is in this and ends up being <laughs> the main villain uh, no, but, but that's not overcasting
0: that was great
1: I agree, I agree, he did a really good job um, but it just crazy to me that Robert Redford, the king of the art film with the Sundance Film Festival is playing the main bad guy in a Captain America movie.
0: Well, I think post-Avengers that I think the world was finally ready to start accepting these as real movies and not just like kids comic book movies. Like yeah. how many records did it, well we'll talk about Avengers shortly but it broke so many records and changed movie going for a long time I think at that point people could say okay I want to be a part of this and I understand that um, before we move on one thing I wanted to bring up just a, the opening sequence where it ends where we have to watch Captain America fight George St. Pierre yeah um, which was a, a fun rock f- the Leaper. yeah it was, it was a fun <laughs> fight scene I have nothing against it but it sort of felt like okay like sure yeah <laughs> You know, he 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 begged someone to be in the movie, and they cast him, and they gave him this whole scene. It's it's kind of an eye roll for me, but but then I know people who are big UFC fans who don't know a thing about Marvel who went to go see it to see him. So I guess that worked. I don't know. It's just yeah. We it it seems like a a weird bump on the movie, but they get it out of the way in a hurry. Okay, let's uh, let's go to our number fours.
1: Mm. Mine is the first Iron Man. My four is Infinity War. All right, uh, so it's going to be a double talkie round. Let's start with Iron Man, since you had it ranked seven, and I had Infinity War ranked six, so it'll be slightly higher. Please, take us away with Iron Man.
0: Iron Man was the first one. Um, Iron Man, it's difficult for Iron Man to divorce what it is as a movie as what it did for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um certainly it like it was a risk and it never should have succeeded and it did launch this whole thing and that's super cool. But as a good movie, I think Iron Man is a really good movie. I really buy the change in his character. Um, you know, the realization that he's been a, a jackass and the turnaround into trying to do something better with it. I think the special effects are you know they're a little dated nowadays, but at the time it was a joy to see. Um, the first time where he really suits up and they do sort of the suit porno shot where they like they go up from the feet, while it's all assembling itself onto him and all the gears are spinning, putting the suit together. It had the right mix of like action and comedy, like watching him test out the stuff in the garage. like he tests out the jet booster and slams himself into the ceiling and collapses. Yeah, yeah and was, the
1: way his his interactions with his little robot
0: helpers are fantastic. That's a good point, yeah, and, and it turns out to be Key in the end. It, it hands him the old arc thing for his chest. Um, Iron Man is so pure in a way because none of that stuff had been done before, um, but I buy all the parts of it. It's it's not number one on my list because I think other movies like took that and ran with it and made it better. Also because I thought the climax was a little bit weak. Yeah. Um, let me just...
1: Take yeah, over sure. For a I'm, I'm
0: taking over this. Please tell your thoughts.
1: <laughs> so, so Iron Man is the it set the template? It was so successful on on so many levels. It was successful artistically and financially, and it set the template for everything that came after. Like it's that is the tone that it is a real Marvel movie. You know, the the things, some of the things that are lower on our list deviate from the tone in one way or another. Like uh, the. The big ones, for me, like Thor, really deviated, and even the Cap- the first Captain America movie deviated, but those were still really early. After that, they start to fall in line a bit more, except for things like Thor Ragnarok, which we haven't talked about yet, and uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And those movies are so much later in the run that they have a chance to branch out a bit more, and I think... The, the rest of the movies follow this template for a very good reason, because it works so well. One of the problems with it is that it has a weak villain, and that is a template that's been followed almost too much
0: <laughs> as well. That's a,
1: yeah, that's a good point. That's where they got the idea. It's like, it's Jeff Bridges. He should be memorable, and yet, whenever I think about the movie, I'm like, who's the villain in that again? Why? Why is he fighting? Who is he fighting? And it's just,
0: like, unimportant, ultimately. Like, it's... it's I, I did like his performance sure but yeah, it doesn't seem to have anything it's like it's another road bump in the in the way of his character progression. The villain doesn't actually seem to threaten anything.
1: Yeah, I feel like it would be kind of interesting at some point to do a, a top five Marvel Cinematic Universe villains I, I I honestly think it would I would have a hard time filling out all five slots.
0: Yeah, it sounds like the, you know, the bottom 5 might be a little more to, to what we're discussing here. Yeah.
1: It's um, so anyway, Iron Man's great. Robert Downey Jr.'s casting was perfect. It's it's a movie that that shouldn't have worked on any level. Iron Man has never been an A-list character for the Marvel Comics people. Like there are people who love him. He's always been a, a an important character in the comics, but he's never been a top seller. His biggest storyline was when he was a drunk, you know? It's his it's not that interesting, and yet after this, he's probably one of the most popular characters. The uh, Robert Downey Jr. really took a, a sort of a thankless job and made it amazing. Made this character click in ways that he hadn't since his creation. Too much praise? Yeah.
0: Too much? No, that's <laughs> at the, listen. It's right near the top of. Our, I mean, listen, it was lower on my list, and so it's at seven out of twenty-three. Yeah, it's at the top. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. Um, before we move on, I would also like to point out that this, all, like in terms of trend setting, this did the thing where it was, hey, stay wait after the credits. Why? Oh, oh you'll God. see. Him.
1: I can't believe we almost didn't forget about, or we almost the, forgot about this.
0: Oh, I did not forget about <laughs> it. He comes, so we had just seen this movie, a superhero movie, another good superhero. Hey, it was a really good superhero movie. This but is the same this, summer as, as The Dark Knight. Yeah, but then there's this teaser at the end. What's going on? Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, which already, because that's sort of been played with in the comic books, but already we're like, holy crap, he's there. He mentions the Avengers and teases to the audience about what's going on, that we're going to experiment with something here. We're going to have other Marvel heroes, and we're going to start bringing them all together. This was the tease for what turned into this incredible thing that has changed filmmaking for decades to come that tease was delicious it remains delicious it is one of my favorite things because of the promise in that yeah, now that being I, said it's also set the template for now I have to sit through the entire goddamn credit sequence after every Marvel movie it gets well, out of it like, Guardians 2 had like five of them it's yeah like, it's this listen folks we gotta rein this in you can't keep doing that people want to clean the theater people want to go home I think the, the worst thing that it
1: created, and, and it also makes me appreciate it even more, but it's the, the terrible copycats where so many other franchises have tried to do this, tried to tease out further sequels or make a bigger universe, and then they don't go anywhere. Like I'm thinking oh, of the, yeah. the Mummy movie with Tom Cruise.
0: Right, yeah, the, the Dark Universe. They wanted to do a monster movie universe because no one would listen when they told them that nobody cares about Frankenstein and Dracula working together. Yeah, yeah, Everybody wants their shared universe money, and nobody has come close to what Marvel did. And then you've got the X-Men ones, which are filled with teases
1: that end up not teasing anything. Like, I remember in one of the X-Men movies, there's a tease that Mr. Sinister is somehow involved with with uh, Wolverine yeah. and it doesn't go anywhere they just drop it um, because they want to do
0: what Marvel did with this and this was yeah, the start of it all
1: they do it so poorly and it's it's
0: really aggravating but anyway we're not here to talk about yeah. a bunch of other movies from other franchises
1: <laughs> Iron Man um, did it very well and it's crazy how well they did it in, in retrospect like such a bold move to put that in yeah. there
0: yeah and they did it exactly the right way like those few hints that they had and I was like that scene is what 60 seconds long yeah and just the promise of it is beautiful let's move on Uh, okay what was the next one after
1: Iron Man Uh, the next one is Infinity War which I had ranked number 6 and you
0: have ranked number 4 also pretty close Oh, God. This is tricky because, I mean, it's for one thing, it's hard to differentiate between Infinity War and Endgame because they're very much one story stretched across, I mean, two movies, but it felt like three movies. They're both yeah. very long. Um, and they, they are built on the backs of 20 other movies. So it's hard to judge these movies in a vacuum. So what I did with Infinity War is I just thought about like how often would I want to rewatch this compared to all the other ones on the list, and it's still pretty high up on the top. Mm-hmm. There's
1: there's great moments in it. There's a lot that to to like about it. But so for you, what puts it below Endgame, which since neither of us have ranked it, we both know
0: is going to end up pretty high up there. To me, I like Endgame better than Infinity War. Um because there's payoff. Infinity War I find I mean it's great to watch, but it's one extended fight scene over hours and hours and hours. And yeah, it spreads across multiple scenes and multiple characters in different places, but it's because like it starts off immediately. Oh, Thanos and his goons are here and we're fighting them. And then it ends. And that's cool, I love it, I loved the big battle at Wakanda, like, I love the stuff in space, I love all the characters meeting each other, but it just, there's no payoff, it's, it's, it's Oreos without milk, I like Oreos, but just because it didn't finish, I don't know, I don't know, it's, it's got sort of that waiting for a sequel syndrome. And again, it's Infinity War is number four out of 23. I'm not knocking it. It's great, but it just kind of stopped. And it stopped in a really cool moment when yeah, we were all a talking cliffhanger. about it. But at the same time, we were all like, well, it's not really a cliffhanger. We all know they're not going to stay dead. I, I don't know. I, I mean, as big-time geeks as two
1: guys doing a podcast with Geek in the title, we knew what was happening. But I also know people who aren't huge comic book fans who were genuinely gripped by that. Like, what is going to happen? Who's going to come back? Who isn't going to come back? So, I... I... Knowing that made me appreciate the ending more. You know, if I had just seen it in a vacuum just with my own echo chamber, I would be like, yeah, it's a cool ending, but we know they're all going to come back. But talking with people who didn't feel that way changed my perspective on it a little bit like i it's easy to forget that not everyone has read a million <laughs> <Yeah>. comic books
0: <laughs> yeah not everybody sat in your basement for 15 yeah. years <laughs> yeah okay fair enough um i didn't like that but i can see how be for other people i'm um, also worth noting so the character of thanos in the movies is very different than the character in the comics now he's still great in the movies i it's, think he's a great villain yeah but the motivation, the balance thing, I felt was really weak. And
1: really? it was okay.
0: But yeah, I didn't buy, I didn't buy, I'm going to kill half of everybody so there's enough for everybody. Like, especially by the time we're talking about the Infinity Stones, because my first thought at that point was, like, wait, you can do anything. Why not just double the resources? That's fair. And then you don't have to kill anybody part of that is because I was really looking forward to him being more like he is in the comics, or there's the whole thing with Lady Death, with the the Mistress of Death, whatever you want to call it. As the Mad Titan, like the fact that people think he's mad is because he's in love with this personification of death that he sees as this woman that he's trying to impress. And he wants to impress her so much that that's where this whole killing the whole half the universe thing comes from. That, to me, suggests like a madness in the character that the whole perfectly balanced thing didn't really didn't really do it for me. Yeah,
1: I'll grant you that. I, I do feel that's very operatic and may not have worked as well in the MCU as it does in the, the proper comic books, but I would have been interested to see how they could have worked it.
0: I yeah, and I I would have preferred it. I feel like to the balance thing again doesn't take anything away from his incredible performance and how great he was to see. Uh, but that did I came out of it a little disappointed and a little, and I just regardless of the lady death thing, I don't feel like the balance thing. It's it doesn't seem much more complicated than Ronan the Accuser.
1: That's fair. That's fair, and. and uh, <laughs> I still think he comes out as a better villain than most of the MCU villains because we spend so much time with him and learning about his motivations and and he's not just he's not just yeah, evil, right? Yeah, but he's not he's
0: not he's not just a gun pointed at our heroes like Roman yeah. is. Um, it still it still works. I still really like the character, but this I found it more shallow than it could have been. And again, that's for a movie ranked four out of twenty three. Like it's I'm not. You know, it did not ruin the experience for me in any way. I came out of Infinity War exhausted and elated and just, like, like the same feelings I get when you come out of a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It was great. I just wanted but to talk about... But those are the little it. nitpicks. I want to talk
1: about a few of my, my favorite scenes in it. The, when Cap steps out of the shadows and he's got the beard and a, he's been on the run. I, I love that moment.
0: I love it the of, idea. The, the nomad suit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So good. Uh, I love everything with Thor in it. Like this is a Thor I can get behind. Like a guy who's on a mission, who's who's angry and noble and powerful, and he's gonna come in and be the hero that they need at that last dramatic moment. I really, really like that arc for him in this movie. We'll talk about where it continues in the when we get to Endgame. Um, I love all the stuff with with. Tony Stark and Peter Parker and and Doctor Strange, like they all of their interactions are great. I, yeah, I'm a every, big everyone fan.
0: meeting each other is a blast. Mm-hmm. Like even even just the silly ones, like the I am Groot, I am Steve Rogers. Yeah, like the like the, everyone is a perfect capstone to who they are expressed on top of each other. That, oh, we're using our made-up names? Well, then yes. I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so good. Ah, man. I, we haven't talked about Spider-Man nearly enough, but I mean, I guess we're going to end up talking about him soon as we're getting to the top of this list, but yeah, Tom, uh, what is his name? Tom Holland is so good as Peter Parker, and he's just, like, guile- guileless and charming as hell. Ah, okay, Should we? should we keep going? We're in the home yeah, stretch.
0: We're, we're in the home stretch. Yeah, this just is going to be a longer episode anyway, but we can't stop now. All right, my number three is uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. My number three was Endgame.
1: Wow, and had, okay.
0: And I had Homecoming down at
1: 12. Yeah, that is one of the bigger gaps in it. So we got to talk uh, Homecoming now. Uh, I I adore this movie. I don't know what it is. I I'm, Honestly, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan most of the time. I, I Anytime I read the comics, uh, he grows old for me within i don't know 10 or 12 issues whereas with x men i could just read it endlessly but for some reason the the character doesn't work for me most of the time but this version of him i find him so entertaining and so relatable and i just i just can't get enough of him there there are definitely problems but with homecoming the villain is not the problem like i never never would have guessed that Vulture would be one of the best villains in the MCU and yet that's, for me,
0: what it comes down to. Michael Keaton is so good in this. Michael Keaton and Tom Holland... I mean, Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. Easily. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a, like a list of great Vultures, but Michael Keaton is great <laughs> as the Vulture. Um, I believed it as a Spider-Man story. I believed it as part and as the larger MCU. <sighs> My problem with it isn't really on the fault of the movies, but it's just that I I wasn't interested in a Marvel high school movie. I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to spend time with, oh, he's going to prom, and it's super awkward. because It's not prom, dork. it's homecoming. It's in yeah. the title of the movie. <laughs> but I don't care. Like, I so don't care about the teeny bopper stuff. And... I guess that's just a question of... I'm sure they did it well, but I'm just... I, I was never into those kind of movies. I, I, I wasn't into that in real life, frankly. Yeah. I was an unhappy teenager. <laughs> but um, I just... I want... It's, it was important to the movie to establish Peter Parker, and I think they had to do it, and they did it. But I find those parts of the movie so uninteresting, and they don't come together until he meets her dad, and it's Michael Keaton. Oh, and th- such then, a good and, twist. Great moment. Oh my god, so tense. Yeah. So But until then I was just rolling my eyes at every stereotypical high school cliche oh, BS. I just didn't I want it.
1: Loved all the stereotypical high school stuff. I think it worked really well. I, I love the relationship between Peter and Ned. I, I found that very look, I, I was never one of the smartest kids in school and I, I but I was you know, a geek, obviously, and so there's the, the outsider status that I related to, um, you know, all the girl stuff was was relatable up to a point, it just was so I I really connected with that on that level I really liked what they did with Flash Thompson he's so different from how he is in the comics, but making him a nerd who is also a bully, and doing it so well was, was a great touch uh, okay, but my one Beef with the movie is they make the suit too powerful. He becomes calm, kind of like a, an Iron Man light, and I don't want that in my Spider Man. I want him to ha- to be his own ingenuity that saves
0: him, rather than. But all that this was gear. That was the moral of the movie, right? At the like at the climax, he he loses that suit and he has to go save it as just Spider Man. Yeah, like, that was like that was the message of the movie. Is that That's, I mean it, it's underplayed a little because then he gets the cool suit back for later encounters.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the and, whole and they like, spend, if,
0: if, you, if you're what's the line like if you're nobody without the suit then you don't deserve to wear it something like that yeah but I, I like he, I, I spend so much the of the point of that
1: he spends so much of the movie in the suit though like I get the point of it but he spends so much of the movie in the suit that I you don't really get much of a sense of him of what he's like without the suit like you never see him in that crappy old suit that you see for a second in in Civil War. He's always got this really cool suit, um, except for a couple of of the fight scenes where he's got to figure out how to to just use his powers. But he's so reliant on the technology in the suit for so much of the movie, it doesn't feel quite like Spider-Man to me. Obviously, I can get past that since I enjoy the movie so much. But I hear you, I, I get what the point is. It's just, in the thick of it, there's a lot of suit stuff.
0: Yeah, it didn't bother me as much, but also, I mean, I'm not going to the bat for this movie. This is only halfway up my list. Wow. I can't um, believe we are so opposed on this one. Yeah. But, uh, but it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, it, it sounds like it's completely subjective on my part. I just, I wanted to see a superhero movie, and I get that he's also a high schooler, but I felt that just the balance was off until everything came together too close to the end of the movie. Okay, so let's get down to it. We're, we're into our top twos. There's four movies left
1: that we have to talk about, and we're on our top twos. So our top twos are going to be different. This is so crazy to me. <laughs> okay. My number two is Endgame.
0: My number two is Thor Ragnarok.
1: Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, I had Ragnarok ranked at number 10, so let's start with that.
0: Yeah. Whew, yeah, about 10 seems so low to me, but I feel like I know what you're going to say. Um, Maybe it's subjective again, but Thor Ragnarok to me is everything that I kind of want a comic book movie to be. Thor Ragnarok had cool superhero stuff and some cool plot developments and some cool special effects, but mostly it was this wacky adventure with wacky characters and wacky things happening. I, I love the look of the movie. I love the sound of the movie. I love the performance of the characters. Like, Thor Ragnarok is... Like, if I'm in a bad mood and I want to watch something to cheer me up, every second of Thor Ragnarok makes me grin.
1: I will give you that. And, and I, I have enjoyed it on that level. I I Here's some background on my experience with it. And, you know, with all of these lists, they're subjective and they're full of bias. So... I so my son had just been born when this came out so I didn't get to see it until like the following summer I saw it you know in a, a, in a bed on an iPad with my kids sleeping next to me. So it was not the best circumstances to watch it. I'd also heard for months about how great it was. so I think my expectations were too high. <laughs> it's sort of the opposite of what happened with Captain Marvel. like for me, I'd heard, so much about Captain Marvel that I went into it with I think lower expectations and ended up enjoying it more than than I expected to and with Thor I went in with really high expectations and ended up liking it less so that is where I'm coming from that mm-hmm. being said there's a lot of stuff I really like in it Loki's great the relationship between Thor and Hulk is great I think if I saw it again it might get knocked up a
0: few notches it's I think so too I just everyone in this movie like, they, like works as an ensemble so well. They support an, each other and fill each other's gaps so well. And just the craziness of it. It's got kind of a Guardians of the Galaxy thing where it takes it so far outside what's already in the MCU. Which is kind of nice because it gives it space to stretch. You know? It lets it establish its own world with its own rules and do its own thing. And what they do is delightful. Even Jeff Goldblum like, who, let's face it, is playing Jeff Goldblum. Yes. <laughs> like, it just every word out of his mouth is a joy. And you can, like, Thor expresses a little bit of frustration at being stuck in this, like, you know, as a metaphor, like being stuck outside of what's happening in the MCU. And then at some point he just starts to go with it, probably around the time of the Coliseum. Which, by the way, God, I wish they hadn't spoiled that in the trailer, that it was going to be him fighting Hulk, because that was such a... That's a Darth Maul igniting both sides of the lightsaber moments. Like, that should have been a huge shock. Yeah, but I have to say, that probably
1: sold a bunch of tickets. Like, every time I saw the trailer for that movie, and that, that was moment in was in there, every time I enjoyed it. Like, every time he's like, uh, we're friends from work. Like, he's a friend from work, yeah. It kills it's
0: kills It's still enjoyable having seen the movie 10 or 12 times. And that's only focusing on the stuff that is sort of big picture MCU. The smaller stuff that gets added in, Valkyrie and Korg, like Korg and Meek, are delightful characters who get brought back as B characters purely because of how much the fans reacted so positively to them. And just the way it's... Like any other MCU character would be so frustrated having to put up with this nonsense... And the way Thor handles it and processes it and just goes along trying to make all this work, it just makes it so much fun.
1: Yeah, now, see, that is where I have a bit of a problem. And I feel like my critiques of the Thor movies are all going to be contradictory and, and and problematic. But I find his character is so different in this movie from how he is in everything else that I it's... I... I have a hard time accepting it. Like, like he's too funny right off the bat when he's fighting Surtur, and he's, you know, oh, sorry, I'm going to come around again. He's dangling from that chain and spinning around, and I'm like, that's not the Thor from the previous movies. Like, I, I
0: well, like see, this guy, I, and he's funny. I think it. I feel like it is the Thor from the previous movies. Like, It's not the Thor from the Thor movies, but the way he evolves out, like, through the Avengers movies and stuff, and he becomes so much more of a, like, a bro. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, like, what's the difference here? Like, Thor 2 came out in 2013, and this one came out in 2017. So those four years, you know, where he, like, appears in the other stuff, I, I recognize that development. I don't
1: know. I had a harder time accepting it, especially because in the previous two Thor solo movies, he's a lot more serious. Like, he has funny moments, but it's usually accidentally funny. Even in the, the Avengers movies, he's never... He's, the funny stuff happens, but it doesn't feel like he's doing it intentionally. You know, like the when they're talking about Loki and he's like, that's my brother. And then Iron Man says he killed so many people. And then he says he's adopted. Like, I don't think like that line is really funny, but I don't think Thor was being funny when he said it.
0: You know what I mean? I, Am I yeah, being too I'm- nitpicky? And I know what you mean. And yes, you're being too nitpicky. Um, the uh, yeah, the, he evolves from who he is in Thor one into being just kind of like a good guy, uh, you know, just being a dude that you can rely on. And that dude is who he is in Ragnarok, and I, I and I like that Thor a lot.
1: Okay, let's uh, let's move on to Endgame here, which you know was my number uh, two and your number three. So obviously, yeah. we both like it quite a bit. And um, and probably if someone were to go through and actually average out the ratings, it would be our number one. But just because the way we're doing this, it's going to be our number three.
0: Yeah, so everything we said about Infinity War, um, but with the added bonus of resolving this huge complicated world and just having that big final climactic showdown. Like Like the thing that really bugged me about Infinity War, about it not progressing very far, this one progresses so far, and at the same time, the whole movie is built upon the callbacks of eleven years of movies. Um, I, I, it, it was absolutely worth the wait. Like Endgame was everything this was all building for, and I think it paid off almost perfectly. I agree. It's there are
1: still you know little things that I don't that that I don't love about it, but none of it ruins the movie for me. I, I still had such a blast at the theater. There's so many moments in it that really work so well and stand out in my memory and will always I'll always want to rewatch them. I mean, I'm thinking right now of of Cap picking up Mjolnir. It's just like such a great
0: moment every time yeah, I see it. Yeah. That's I mean, the Avengers assemble moment. Oh, like, so good. I, oh, wish had sh- I wish he had shouted instead of whispering doesn't make a lot of sense for him to whisper but that's okay it was still seeing everyone show up at the same time The all the time travel stuff it's like
1: it, it barely makes sense if you think about it too hard but it's a great way to go back and relive these important moments that happen yeah, through the course of these 23 letter. movies mm-hmm. it's a
0: love letter to these movies that we've all enjoyed So and it's done it's executed so successfully giving giving Tony a chance to talk to his dad you know, like just like, like just uh, everything that's in it, like the, every loose end is tied up. Uh, it's even even killing off Black Widow. It's kind of like the only thing they could do to progress that character is to have her finally redeem herself by making a sacrifice, and they did it. But yeah, it, and the the
1: they it gives some weight to it. Like, I, but after. When Infinity War ends, you're like, everyone's dead, or most people are dead. And then at this, really, it's only a couple of characters have have died, but they're all, like... Well, I mean, we're all deep, deep in spoiler territory. It's Iron Man and, and Black Widow, right? Yeah. And and Black Widow's sacrifice sort of gets completely overshadowed by Iron Man's. But that's it's when you... Think about it. Like at the end of Infinity War, half of the cast is dead, and at the end of this, it's two people, and one is retired with a Cap. But it's those sting a lot. Those sit with you, and and their their sort of funeral at the end is is really powerful too, and and it gives them a good send off in a way that that they need to have, and it makes the movie a
0: bit more profound than some of the others have been. Like the yeah. I'd- I don't know if there's any purpose to keeping going on to gush. I mean, it's 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 the perfect sign off. It's it's it, like nothing about it I would change. Um, like like there, you can have little nitpicks here and there, little things that didn't quite fit, but on the whole, it it was everything you wanted it to be. Everything they had promised.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say the one thing that always stands out in my mind is something I don't really love about it is is Fat Thor. Uh, especially, really? yeah, I was delighted with that Thor. Yeah, I just feel like they they lingered on it so long and and so much, and there was so much weight put on it. And I know in like the analysis of the movie, he's grieving and he's he you know is is upset with himself for how he wasn't able to save the day in Infinity War. Like he was sort of like set up to do, and and I get all that, but I just wanted him. To come out of the funk more than he did, and by the end yeah, I, he's back to normal and he's with the Guardians of the Galaxy. But oh, I, I feel had like a this is time. the
0: same complaint you had about Ragnarok. I think you just don't like dude Thor. That's part of it. I don't like sad sack Thor. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. The one thing that stood out for this for me, like the one thing that I don't know how I feel about it, was the uh, like the, the the girl power moment yeah. during the the climax of the fight scene. There is a brief scene where all the women from these movies get together and change absolutely nothing and accomplish very little but they get all the women in one shot and they have a cool line and I guess that's, fun. I mean that felt a lot like just checking off a checkbox it felt very insincere it, it, I do think
1: in the grand scheme of things there are a lot of people who have seen that scene and like it and like it, what it represents but I agree it felt very Box checky to me as well, especially since in Infinity War there's like a, a girl power scene I think with Black Widow and Scarlet Witch and Okoye where they like all three of them they each take turns saving each other or something. Yeah. And I and that, that one works. Yeah, it fits
0: into the narrative and it accomplishes something in the story.
1: And it, they're actually actively doing something.
0: Yeah. All right. Okay. So that that just leaves does that just leave our number one? Is that that's all that left? There's, there's
1: two movies left, so we two each left. have very different number ones. Uh, my number one is Civil War.
0: My number one is the Avengers.
1: Yes, so we'll we'll do Civil War first, since you had that ranked 10th, and I had Avengers ranked uh, seventh. so technically Civil War is the the lower of the two of them.
0: Yeah. Um, Civil war, uh, Civil war suffers a little because I was looking forward to it so much because I loved the comic arc of it. But as as a movie, I found that the justification for the Civil War didn't quite justify what happened, and then it never really went anywhere. Um, the actual villain in Civil War, I don't even remember his name because he plays such a minor role. is he basically Baron Zemo? Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was Zemo, but who cares right like the setup that causes the Civil War I didn't buy for a second and that's that really I felt like the Civil War was such an important moment and such an important thing to happen that not having that groundwork for it really hurt it for me and so much of this movie is so good like when it breaks out when they're at the airfield and they're running towards (sighs) each other and it's like oh they're not stopping and neither are we like, you feel so bad because he's... Ca- why? Stop fighting! Ah! <laughs> but always in the back of my head, it was kind of like, well, why are they fighting? And that well, hurt it for me. That's fair. That's fair.
1: I, I There's not a lot I can do to disagree with you. I'll be honest. A lot of this comes down to emotion, and the I've watched recently in particular... The, the scene at the airport a bunch of times. And that scene alone raises the whole movie for me. I love everything with Spider-Man in it. he He's so great when he's bantering with with Cap and, and steals his shield and his relationship with Tony that starts there. And, you know, Tony's a, a jerk in this movie, but you understand his motivation. I, I like that element of it.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I believe... I believe his motivation and I believe Cap's motivation for fighting him but it just seemed so obvious that like they had been forced into that by just like the writers couldn't figure out how to get them to that boiling point I absolutely love what it said about the characters like I actually absolutely believed they would disagree on this and what would happen would happen the air fight was great. I mean, I don't, like, I don't want to take away from the fight between the two of them and Bucky. And yeah. they recreate the comic cover where it's Iron Man with the beams and Cap deflecting it off the shield. Such a great moment. I mean, there's like, it's so much lower on my list than these others, but it's still 10. Like It's yeah. still a really good movie. Um, I I I
1: saw that in the theaters twice, and and I wasn't seeing movies in theaters multiple times very much at that point. And I saw it, you know, with a group of friends, and then I went and saw it by myself. I enjoyed it so much, and that scene is great. All of the, there's just ah, the emotion of it really gets me. Like I really buy the 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 battles, and and I also just like that even in that airfield fight. So many of them are still clearly friends. Like, there's a part where, like, everyone has a nice moment with Hawkeye, and, like, Hawkeye of all characters, but, like, Hawkeye and and Iron Man, even though they're on opposite sides, have a little nice bit of banter, and then Hawkeye and uh, Black Widow, he's, like, making sure she's not going to hurt him too badly. It's just, like, these great touches. Ah! I, I, I don't know that I can... For whatever reason, I can't see the movie... Objectively, I just like it so
0: much from beginning to end. I mean, and that's fair. I mean, it was—it's such a cool idea, and it's executed so well. And I don't have any problem with the execution, just the setup. And I, I wish I could get over it because I would love to enjoy it as much as you do. Because it's such a cool idea. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier, but I also felt I wish they had addressed it more in Infinity War. Like Thanos shows up, and it kind—Civil of, War just kind of goes away. Well, I think even by the end of Civil War, they,
1: uh, Iron Man, and Cap have kind of made up. Like, like Cap and and his Avengers
0: are all in He's, jail, he, but he sent him the well. Cap busts them out of the raft, right? And right. He sends Tony the phone, but they're still like now you have, you know, Iron Man's Avengers and Cap's Avengers on the run, which is a really cool setup for things that could happen next that do happen in the comics, but they just never visit it. It's a wasted opportunity. That's true, that's true. I, I was rewatching a
1: bit of uh, uh, Age of Ultron the other day, and it felt like that. there was some of that there, too, where there was a lot of build-up to Hydra, and it felt like a lot of it had been dealt with off-screen. Yeah, and that exactly. Was kind of, yeah. But, so anyway.
0: Yeah, so it's lower on my list than it is on yours. I, I love all the stuff you love about it. I just couldn't get over that one hump. All right, let's go to the number one, The Avengers. The Avengers was my number one. Everything I mentioned about Endgame and Infinity War absolutely works, but it does suffer just a little because of how complex it is and how many characters there are. Like, Hawkeye isn't in Infinity War at all because there's no room for him. Mm -hmm. The Avengers is Infinity War small scale. The Avengers was the first movie that said, okay, these other five movies... We're putting them all together into one giga movie. And it's introduced so slowly. The characters get together. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other. And it slowly builds up until that one shot, the the shot that's panning around them in a circle where they're all back to back in the battle for New York and the theme rises up. And that was the payoff to everything we wanted to see since that teaser at the end of Iron Man. And that moment sticks out to me in my memory in a way that's way too much credit for a movie. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It's, it's a great moment. You, yeah, the emotions you're describing, like from Civil War, like that, seeing that all come together so well, I just, it, it just was a blast. And it was reflected, right? Like that was the first one of these movies to break a billion dollars at the box right. office, I think? Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was, it's, it's... A great movie. And and I think one of the things that that makes it still stand apart from the rest is that you can enjoy it very well on its own. And if you do want to see the stuff that came before, you only have to see five movies to to get it, to get the whole story of what's going on there. To get the
0: whole story, sure. But if you watch just The Avengers from beginning to end, it's still an incredible superhero story. It's incredible action scenes great characters and dialogue great writing just the, i mean the I, emotional highs and lows just there's nothing in that movie i would do differently
1: i keep thinking back to that that first scene that introduces black widow there where she's tied up in the chair and then she's acting like all damsel in distressy and then she gets a phone call and then just destroys the the guys who had captured her and it's such a it it gave her a better scene than the, she'd had in all of Iron Man 2. And it, it really set the stage for what she could do. She didn't have much to do in the rest of the movie, unfortunately. But that one scene, you were like, alright, I get it.
0: I get why she's here now. But And they do that with all of them. With the introduction, like, that's the introduction of Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner... And, uh, like, when he yells at her and slams the table and a cut to the outside shot and there's, like, 40 guys with guns around. Like, it's... They they go to such cool ways to quickly establish who these characters are and why. And it's all successful. I mean, even the Black Widow, you mentioned she doesn't have much to do. I mean, I feel like, in a way, I mean, she suffers because her powers aren't as cool as everyone else. But she still has these really cool action sequences. And all the big team-up moves that they do... Like, she's in there with it. Same thing with Hawkeye. Like, it's just a bow and arrow, but he, like, when he's on the roof just knocking all the things out of the air and doing all the cool trick shots, and he shoots the arrow at Loki who catches it all smugly, but then it turns out it's a bomb. Like, they go to, like, everyone is magnified, and especially when they start working together. And it's, uh, Iron Man's blasting his beam off of Cap's shield, and, like, just, I'm, yeah. I'm. You can't see me because it's a podcast, <laughs> but I am grabbing my head with excitement. Like every moment in that movie is a joy, even the downtime, kind of like when they're arguing, like when they find out about the shield plan, and you know, Loki's yeah. in the in the prison and everything. Like you're you're still just enraptured. I don't know what special sauce they put in. They certainly spread it around the rest of the other movies. <laughs> But it's, this movie is drenched in it. Like, that becomes... <laughs> you have made this description very graphic. <laughs> I am very excited about this movie. You talk about Iron Man setting the template for the Marvel movies, like, for the origin stories, sure, but the Avengers set the template for what these big, like, payoff movies should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I also... The the moment that always stands out to me
1: there is the, the classic Joss Whedon... Um, turn your expectations on their head moment when when Loki's doing some big speech and then Hulk just grabs him by the ankles and throws oh, yeah. him over and over and over again into the ground such a great
0: moment puny God yeah yeah that's yeah it is yeah everyone cheered in the theater yeah he really did want Loki to shut up but <laughs> you know and we got exactly what we wanted. Um, again, I don't know if there's much purpose to us, I mean, we're already so over time, and we could just keep gushing about every scene in this movie, but there's, yeah, there, there's absolutely nothing to change here. I think we're, we're
1: good, um, let me, since the show is called Geek Top 5, our, our sort of, our improperly amalgamated list, our top five came out as, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming as number five, Ragnarok as number four. Avengers Endgame as three, Civil War as two, and Avengers as number one. Yeah, no, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that works for me. Um, You know, if I have the time or inclination or have the desire to figure out the math on this, I might actually average out our rankings and figure out what our list, our combined list would actually be. But don't hold your breath. (laughs)
0: <laughs> In the meantime,
1: we do want to hear from, from you guys, the listeners, what are your top five Marvel movies? And uh, well, I would prefer to get it by email at geektop5 at gmail.com. But if you want to hit us up on Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com
0: slash geektop5 or on Twitter at geektop5. And we'll be looking forward to hearing from you. And we get anything particularly interesting, we'll be sure to mention it until then uh, special thanks all around special thanks to Jamie Reum the guy behind our theme song uh, special thanks go out this week to Stormcrow Manor to whom we've been flirting with on social media lately <laughs> um, check them out at stormcrow.com uh, if you're in the Toronto area they've got stuff available for pickup now it's great to support please support our home away from home and they also they, you know, there's pretty good eats if you want uh, pickup available in Toronto, and uh, if they also, there is also a Stormcrow in the Vancouver area. A pickup is coming soon. Um, please support your local businesses during the, the quarantine time, <laughs> uh, especially these guys, because they're great. And otherwise, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top Five, special two-parter Marvel Cinematic Universe, our own combined universe <laughs> episodes. Ugh, exhausted, but we made it. Thanks very much, everybody, and we'll talk to you again next week.